Hello and welcome to another episode of Flynn's Talk. It's the podcast where we take a look at uh, all kinds of things, Jez, across the veterinary field and hopefully promote well-being yep. and uh, spend a bit of time um, diving into the mental health space and also celebrating the diversity of the field and the people that contribute to it in so many different ways. Jez, welcome as always. Thank you. Pleasure to be here as always. And before, Jez, we get too far, a quick shout out to our new podcast partner, yep. 2022 Covetris. Uh, they've come on board to help support the reach of the show and getting it out to more and more people. And you know, their aim really is just to support and enhance the lives of people within the field with back-end technology support and uh, really help vets and people within the field spend more of their time looking after the pets that we all love and care for so much. So really, you know, we're just going to continue to work together with them and um, keep getting more of these stories out there, inspire people to put their hand up, ask for help, reach out, do all of that. Um because, you know, in speaking with them, it's obvious they believe in the mission that we're exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. And um, hopefully we can all work together and, and keep playing a role to make a difference in uh, talking and walking, which is what we set all of this up to be. That's what we're here for. Jez, there's heaps going on in our space because yeah, a couple of housekeeping things, walks. Yep. We've got walk dates. We're coming up to a busy time of the year for us. We do have walk dates. We've got walk dates. So Melbourne... Put it in your calendars, Sunday, May the 1st. Yep. So the first Sunday in May, just after the Easter rush, after Anzac Day, before Mother's Day yeah. though. Um, so don't forget <laughs> We're trying to one. fit it in in the middle. Second Sunday of May for all the mums out there. Don't forget about that one. Um, so Sunday the 1st of May for Melbourne and then Canberra three weeks later yep. on Sunday, May the 22nd. There are Facebook links for both of them. Get some more information. More, we'll be putting up more stuff as we as we have it. But yeah, lock yourself into those dates and come on board. Yeah, it'll be good. And and we're hoping again to have um, some coffee there and yep. sausage chisel and all the normal. We'll make it worth your while. And uh, the other thing will be as best we can. We're going to try and get everyone back together and walking as one. Exactly. Yeah. So. We know that everyone uh, missed that last year. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, depending on how we're going numbers-wise and stuff, we'll work yep. all that out a bit later on. But yeah, stay tuned to Facebook. Um, that's the best place. The event page is there and we'll keep you posted with more info. But uh, Jez, that's one of many things that's coming up and, and something else we're working on is a, is a bit of a new um, content series, yep. some, some resources for the industry, which we're going to launch that soon. And the reason I mention it is because today's guest is obviously super pivotal to creating this content we've got dr vanessa rolf on today with us who who is doing these who's doing these little episodes for us um which will be available soon we've just started to record them um so yeah we're going to have a quite an interesting chat with her about who she is what she does and how she influenced the veterinary field yeah and that's just like a very small snapshot on that just to wet the whistle we'll dive into that exactly Vanessa more about what that is and her story and journey from having been clinical side mm, yeah. in vet to now clinical side in, in the psychology area, Jez. And, and she's no doubt been very busy through yep. this time with so much stress and um, work and, and just the normal life mm. in, in vet field as it is without COVID happening. So Yeah, she's um, done an amazing job at, at sort of taking that love of animals from when she was younger in a, in a vet nursing role and her sort of wanting to help people and being able to blend that together so wonderfully, I think it's quite cool. Yeah, it's a very cool thing. I'm um, another super impressive human and, yep. and, 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 a, and a, no doubt an awesome guest. So, Jez, I think um, we'll get into it. Let Let's Vanessa do it. speak for herself and, and jump into the discussion. What do you reckon? Let's go. So, Jez, today we're welcoming in uh, Dr. Vanessa Rolf, who yep. is, well, 
has got one of the more impressive email signatures in yeah. terms of um I have seen that. Letters after it and brackets and stuff. I got I got nothing. Um I just got a job title under mine, which has changed quite a few times. But um Vanessa, uh I'll allow you to introduce yourself and your own story, but um you are a consultant and therapist and um an educator speaking across a whole range of fields and um you know what's led us to you to, to bring you onto the podcast is is your work specifically within the veterinary field and supporting well-being so welcome to uh flynn's talk thank you so much for having me yeah i'm laughing when you said the letters yes i've seen some rippers yeah. um, i like learning <laughs> from from your own perspective um tell us tell us and tell our, our, our folks listening wherever they might be a little bit about your journey and story t- to where you are now um, you were a vet nurse many years back and um have forged your way through to the psychological field and and now in um, lots of research and, and awesome projects. Yes, so I'm really fortunate that I've been able to blend the two. Um, when I was younger, I, of course, probably like many people you've talked to, um, had a love of animals from a really young age. We had a little hobby farm and um, I remember just lying on the grass watching the cows. And But um, I guess that's where my love of animals started. But I also wanted to help people and um, I always had an interest in both of them but then I went on and uh, I was a veterinary nurse and then also I found I really enjoyed the one-on-one interactions um, and I wanted to learn more about how I could help people and I noticed that there was a bit of a gap there in terms of support you know support for for clients who have lost an animal but also uh, also support for those that work with animals and I was really lucky that uh, when I went back to do my honours in psychology I found who's now a professor Pauline Bennett she was at Monash University um, and she's had a research group where she specialised in the study of human animal interactions and that's called anthrozoology so that's where it all started back um, I think I did my honours back in 2003 Um, and then it, it all started from there and I've just been really lucky that I can um, do all the things that I love and blend the two together so that's a little bit about me and actually now I'm still with the anthrozoology research group at La Trobe University which is amazing. Well anyone who um, has had the chance to listen to the first ep from this year episode 26 with um, Dr Tiffany Howell and if you haven't go and have a listen but um, Vanessa is the reason for why we why we found Tiffany and you'll have heard a lot of the work that Tiffany's done in terms of um, the animal uh, human animal bond, and obviously there's some overlap there in terms of the stuff you've done too, uh, which is cool. So, what does it look like for you? Uh, your little um, uh, one paragraph bio, I suppose, through your web page uh, says that you you work uh, as a consultant, therapist, educator, um, all these kind of different roles and hats, which you mentioned. What what is the like normal? You know, well, I'll use that word loosely. What's a normal week look like for you? Yeah, so it's a bit of a, a, a mixed bag, and I kind of like it that way. But it's all under the umbrella of providing support for people that work with or care for animals. So that involves one-on-one counselling, um, and it also involves I do group counselling sessions as well, and I also go to workplaces, and that is for the provision of counselling sometimes, but it's also to provide. Education, psychoeducation on um, a number of, of topics, which are all around mental health and supporting people that work with animals. Because I really think, and you guys have probably touched on this already, but 
you know, the, the field is unique because, you know, you're not only providing care to animals, but you're also providing care to people and that can get really tough. And I think, I think it can really help having someone in there who really has been on at the front line and really gets it, really understands the complexities and, and how tough it can be. So, yes, yeah, I get to do a lot of a variety of things in my week. I'd love to hear from you your take on where things are at um, in terms of the work that you're doing and the people you're speaking with. That's a really, really good question. And I spent a bit of time last week actually reflecting on this myself. I'm a bit of an optimist. I guess, so I first want to state that. But, you know, I guess what I'm seeing is with all that's been going on with the pandemic, I think it's been really testing the resilience of, of I mean, the whole world, really. Yeah. And, of course, the veterinary industry. I mean, we've seen curbside consultations and then with Omicron we've had, you know, staff shortages. But mm. what I'm seeing is that also a lot of compassion and that it's made it okay to just say, look, I'm not having a good, I'm, I'm having a tough time. If there's any silver lining to this, it's made it okay to talk about the ideas that, that if we're not okay, it's like, that's all right to talk about. And, and I guess I'm seeing a bit of a shift there. Um, I'm seeing the additional pressure, yes, but also out of that, I'm seeing recognition that, you know, it's okay to talk about the fact that we're having a tough time here. So I'm seeing, I, I, my hope, is that there is going to be some real positive change out of this? And do you think it's do you think it's top down change or do you think it's bottom up change? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. You know, I my role is you know I provide webinars and, and seminars and I, I provide educational offerings for, for veterinary clinics as well as a host of other settings where people work with animals. But I also provide the one on one counselling. Yep. So I'm providing support from both. So I have managers come to me, they've got a practice or or owners coming to me, they've got a practice and they want me to come to their practice and talk about how they can do things better and how they can support the well-being of their staff. And I've also got staff coming to me for one-on-one counselling. So I really do see it as being so. Do you think as well, like this COVID era, which we've started to Mm. call it, which is a bit daunting in itself and it's still going, still got the, just it started in 2020 with with a dash that currently says, you know, (laughs) current um do you think like you're saying people are acknowledging they'll need a bit they need a bit more support or even just they may have needed it for some time but now they finally do feel safe to ask like is that uh has it been helped by the vet field seeing other industries do that do you think or the broader community like i feel um in myself like there's a general increase of safety and and i suppose support to put your hand up and that is transferring in the vet field because vets and nurses and folks working in the industry have family and friends who don't and so i feel like the ring of support is becoming stronger maybe maybe that's just more of a gut feel thing yeah no i I feel that too i think it's from the whole general community that now we're starting to look out for each other a lot more and you know I, i saw on your instagram feed actually that you said we're humans and it's true you know it's all just made us realise that we're all human beings and we all suffer. Um, and I think that's actually been a really nice realisation. So I think it has filtered into the industry. Um, and I also see fees on my Instagram that the industry has posted, you know, we're taking a day off here, mm, for example. Yep. Some clinics are saying we're taking a mental health day or we're taking a day off because 
we're giving our staff a break. And the public is being quite receptive of that. So I think they're really good things. It's good to hear that from both perspectives. That, um, And I've certainly noticed as well because our account um, through social media, our accounts now, we're following lots of clinics, vets, nurses, naturally. Um, and I've even probably seen over the last few years a change from we've had to close unexpectedly, yep. potentially because actually someone um, is in a crisis or in the worst mm-hmm. case, we've actually lost somebody, which has happened, yeah. you know, it happens too often. Um, yeah. I've seen that change to actually we're just um, taking half of this Thursday off because Friday's a public holiday and we're giving everyone a longer weekend. Yeah. That is a real shift to that proactive. Um, we talk about mentally healthy workplaces um, or, yeah. you know, a, a safety and comfort within a community at work. It's something that uh, teams I'm involved with as, at work has worked on really hard. Um, it, walking the walk, though, is <laughs> harder than talking the talk, which we all know. Um, yeah. How do you sort of take us through your, in the, from your expert position around, like, that building of, of a mentally healthy workplace and helping individuals and teams to flourish? So why I think about mental health is that it's not just an individual thing. Mm. You know, so when it comes to a workplace, yes, we all look after it. We've got a responsibility to look after our own mental health. But I think we have a responsibility to look after the mental health of our peers and our colleagues. Mm. And, of course, managers and owners have a responsibility to look after, of course, their own mental health and the mental health of people that work for them. So I think, first off, just recognising that, what we all have a role to play, is really important. Um, And in terms of setting up psychological safety, that's a really, really important one. I think that is getting better. I think my hope is that given what we have all gone through, we have all perhaps had our own struggles during the pandemic that now we realise that it's okay to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I often see now even in in meetings where people are just doing check-ins with each other and it's just become a habit. So I think that's the two really good places to start. Yeah, that's really good. And also, so sort of going on from that as well, the the mm. idea of resilience, and I know that's become a very big buzzword in the last couple of years and and sort of the, like, the idea of resilient people work in resilient teams and work in resilient environments and communities. But how does that, like, how does that look and how do you, how do you foster that within a workplace, I guess? So, yeah, I absolutely agree that resilient people live in resilient communities and we know that from the research as well. So it's not just in the veterinary industry, it's, it's everywhere. Um, and what that looks like, I guess from, you know, just one person listening to this, for example, might be thinking, well, how do I do that? Yep. Mm. Um, the very first thing that you want to do is just talk to people. Mm. You know, just just check in and and ask how people are going. That's the very first thing that you can do. Um, I think resilience, yes, it is absolutely a buzzword and everyone has talked about it. And, but the good thing is about resilience is that there's so many ways that you can become resilient. Mm. And I think the very first thing that you can do is think about how you got through these past two years. Yep. Mm. That is the best way to get resilience right now, I think. How did you do that? And you can even, as a workplace, talk about that together. Wow, that was really hard. How did we get through this? And then build on those strengths. People already have these strengths and that's about building on them and recognising them too. I think about um, just potentially in my own family 
recently my nan was unwell and I think about the resilience she has and at mm. the age that she's at, she's got every right to go, I'm cooked, right? But she grew up during Second World War as a kid, right? And yeah. and she and her generation, I think a lot of them have resilience in like intrinsically, yeah. right? It's in their gut, it's in their blood, but it's it was defined as uh, tough, thick-skinned, mm. you know? all that kind of stuff. And in Australia, yeah. we sort of we appreciate kind of the thick skin nature of people in remote communities and all that sort of stuff. Where am I going with this? Um, my point is, is I think that resilience has been around a lot longer than yeah. the, the word for it potentially. And it's looked different. And now we're bringing it rather than just from our family life and personal connections, it's coming to the fore. It has to, because we spend so much time at work. You spend a third of your life mm. at work, right? Um mm. If, if you work, you know, full-time for a long time in your life. So I'm, it's just an interesting thing and it's not really, there's not really a question out of that as such, Vanessa, but it's more that I think resilience has been there and I certainly have now found ways to see it through people that I know and love in my life and go, oh, that that's kind of actually what it means too. Like it's it's around us and you can kind of draw yeah. on it from different different places but also that it sort of that it adapts and that changes with sort of what's mm. going on in the environment i guess yeah absolutely absolutely and you know there are there are multiple paths to resilience and and you know hardiness you know maybe that's that's the whole thing yep. is, is that hardiness yeah. and that certainly is is certainly one one i guess attribute which we know is linked to to yeah. being resilient absolutely and I, and and yeah, yeah and just to sort of even just to to finish off mm. you know what i was talking mm. about there mm. it's not it's not to build your iron case and thicken your skin to kind of get over it and move on mm. it's kind of as each thing comes at you building that extra layer of protection for you firstly and the others around you so that you can look after each other yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. bounce back from yeah. that and that that's sort of really coming from a personal position of just how i've seen it in my own in my own life mm. so yeah yeah and adding to that, actually, something that comes to mind is also that if we have a tough time and, and you know, we experience a really rough patch, that doesn't mean we're not resilient as well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if it takes you, say, a month to bounce back or it takes you uh, it takes you two years to bounce back, that still means you're resilient. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think when people talk about resilience, they get this idea of this rubble ball and it's really easy to just snap back and get back to where we originally mm-hmm. were. But it's not like that. It takes work. Yeah. Um, and you know, and there are different ways to get there. And talking about that thick skin, sometimes there might be maybe a, a tendency to push. If you're having a hard time, oh, I'm just going to push away these feelings yep. and and mm. shove them down somewhere. But also, that might not be necessarily what I would. Um, I, I think perhaps no. in terms of recommending different coping strategies, might be to to talk about mm. them. Yeah. Um, we certainly know that sometimes using denial and pushing down things um, might not necessarily be helpful. Well, I think that's probably where some of that change has happened, where it used to be you'd you'd be closed off, you wouldn't, like your resilience was just getting over it and not really bothering anyone else with your problems, whereas now you're allowed to be open, you're allowed to be vulnerable, you're allowed yeah. to share your share your experiences and what you're going through with everyone. And there's been been certainly other parts of the community we've seen that change and accelerate kind of pretty rapidly like sport in particular i work in sport and so i see that and i've seen Mm. it through you know telling athlete stories and things like Mm. that better and that promotion of vulnerability and that it's okay to speak up and take time away from the thing that you love doing to find your love for it again or just 
focus on you for a bit. Yeah. And the interesting thing is when people start to talk up and speak up, they might realize that the other person was feeling the same way yeah. too. Yep. And then you're not feeling so alone. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this is all this is all um, good discussion, and and we're kind of on a roll here. And you know, there we go. We just there's ten minutes on on resilience, just about. But that's awesome because uh, what we're doing is um, we're talking about these these concepts and these themes, right? Which mm-hmm. is all part of, I suppose, building bigger and better mental health literacy across the community. It's something we've heard a bit about, and and if like I encourage people who are listening, like go and Google like what's mental health literacy. It, and then you'll go, you'll go down a rabbit hole, you'll find heaps of stuff. But I'd love, Vanessa, for you to sort of summarize, like even just that again as another sort of phrase that's being thrown around. Um, like what is it and, and, and how do we teach it? How do we keep building that literacy with people just so that we have a better sense of what we're experiencing? So I think when it comes down to, to mental health literacy, it can probably look different depending on who is going to be teaching mental health literacy yeah. um, and what, where, where you are in the world. Um, so my understanding of mental health literacy, the way I see it, is it's about talking about what is mental health. Um, and the first off, the idea is that we all have mental health, just like physical health. You know, it's not something you have or you don't have. Uh, and when it comes to mental health, it's, it's not so much the presence or the absence of illness as well. Hmm. So and without getting into a lecture here and going through a whole um, lecture... Uh, that's the way I see mental health literacy. And also to understand that when we experience a mental health problem, sometimes that's in response to having a rough time, experiencing stressful life events. So the idea of having mental health literacy is to recognise, first off, we all have mental health. It exists on a continuum. We're going to have good and bad days. And sometimes that's in response to difficult events in our life. And it's the idea of normalising it. Another aspect of mental health literacy is being able to recognise when we or when others that we care about might be experiencing a mental health problem. Yep. And so that's really important too. And the third factor, the message that I like to get across when I'm talking about mental health, is that if someone is diagnosed with a mental health illness, they can still have a very good quality of life. And it's also very common. So I guess they're some of the messages that I talk about when I think about mental health literacy and what that looks like. Google is a wonderful mm. thing and an evil thing and it kind of <laughs> it plays many roles. <laughs> We're reading our notes off Google Drive, <laughs> not sponsored. Um, it, but, but Google kind of the place people will go as well. And there's a lot of stuff out there to, mm. like, like I find myself, clicking links and going deeper on a website, you know, through um, Jez and I were just talking about, what were we talking about before we started? Uh, this Way Up. This Way Up, you know, an online resource. And there's Black Dog Institute, there's Beyond Blue. There's lots of those um, organizations doing awesome uh, work and creating resources online. Yeah. Um, so there's stuff out there now. It feels like, do you feel in a professional sense, like there's just, there is more than there ever has been? Like it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, and and you've mentioned just a few of them, and they're just amazing. Mm. And even when you look into the veterinary industry, and yeah. I did a little bit of a, a dive into maybe I wanted to compile a list of resources, and I just ran out of time because mm. there are so mm. many resources out there, um, and it's just it's wonderful, and it's a really good, I guess, reminder that 
we're kind of all connected and, and there is a whole community out there. So if people are feeling alone, if they're experiencing a difficult time, jump online and mm. do a Google and you'll see, do a Google search and you'll see how many resources available that you can reach out and, and get that information and get support. And you know, I was just going to say, I think that's one of the good things of sort of the time we're in now is that some people may feel like they're not quite ready or they don't really need a professional one-on-one say session mm. with a with a therapist or with a psychologist but they just want maybe they're maybe they're feeling a bit off or maybe they've noticed something in a friend and they just want to mm. sort of educate themselves a bit further maybe do a one or two day course um, maybe just read a read an article and there's just there's so much out there of this simple um, easy to understand information that definitely can only be a benefit for everyone yeah Absolutely, absolutely. And it is, it is for everyone, I think, Jeremy, too. You know, I think sometimes people might think, oh, I don't have a mental health illness, mm. this, this is not for me. But we all experience tough times, but I think it can help everyone. Yeah, and there's lots of stuff too. Um, there's apps for, you know, uh, creating good habits, mm. like or keeping yourself on track with things that, you know, help you fill your own cup, sleep stuff. There's, yep. there's all kinds yep. of different apps. Um, some of them are nice pictures and visuals. Some things are, you know, there's more stuff you can read. And if, you, if you're a, just a reader and you love reading info, there's heaps of stuff. Me, I like supporting imagery. I like graphs, diagrams, things like that. And I think even that is an amazing thing too, is there's so much different types mm, of stuff yep. you can absorb. Um, and we've seen that even, I suppose, through how people share things on social media and stuff as well. That kind of idea of, oh, I like this. I'll um, just kind of low key share this here in my Insta story um, if other people are interested in seeing that too. And I think that's that's helped kind of um, yeah loosen that structure mm. and boundary around needing to come into a help into a space to get help. You can kind of get yourself just into the atmosphere of it and start to absorb things and, and read information and hopefully um, get yourself a little bit of help if that's what you're needing. Um, I suppose this somewhat feeds into kind of the idea of self-care, right? That, that comes in so many different shapes and sizes and I'd love you to kind of touch on that and explain what that means because, I mean, it will mean different things to different people. Yeah. It means something different yep. to Jeremy and I for sure. What's your, um, you know, kind of kind of take on on that self-care piece and promotion of it and, and the and the worthiness of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, self-care is a really good one. And I think when people think about self-care, and I, honestly probably at the very beginning when I thought of self-care, it was like the idea of, oh, getting a massage and mm. getting a bubble bath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I talk about self-care, it's about probably, and you might cringe when I say this, but it's kind of about getting your life in balance. And I know that's really hard. I know everyone struggles with that. I struggle with that too a little bit. But sometimes when when we need that self-care, we've got to think about all domains of our life. And, you know, we all, when we think about health, there are different domains. And we want to, when we're spending time in self-care, we want to make sure that we're taking care of all these aspects of our life, whether it's, you know, we think about financial, our physical health, our social health, our emotional health. So when I think about self-care, it's about tailoring it to something that you're doing where you're meeting all of these needs across all of your entire life, physically, mentally, emotionally. So so that's how I think about care, mm. self-care. And I also, one thing that people think about maybe sometimes when they think about self-care, it's about something that they do. Mm. And I think that's true. 
but it's also about how you're thinking too. So mm. self-care can be something as simple about when we're thinking about emotional health. Mm. It's about just being kind to yourself and thinking about well, what what's that voice in your head because sometimes we might have that critical voice and self-care can simply just be as simple as being compassionate towards yourself. So it's about, you know, what we're doing but also how we how we're being. Yeah, actually there's some other... I mean, yeah, and we could we could kind of go off on a hundred different sort of directions. Um, I was lucky enough uh, to hear from Ben Crow, who has uh, worked high up with Mark, uh, worked high up in marketing with Nike, and is now, um, if people have watched the Australian Open and seen Ash Barty play, he's the guy that's usually in the kind of dad cap, um, sitting next to her coach. He's in her camp, and um, we actually had the opportunity to hear from him through work, and he talked about how we uh, become. Now I need to get this right. Uh, we ca- became obsessed with being human doings rather than human yep. beings. So yep. always thinking about what am I, I doing, like what that. am I doing, what am I doing? Hang on a minute. What am I being? What's today that was different or, or, or better than yesterday? That was really quite profound, like hearing that. He just framed it really nicely. And I think he's done a lot of research and, and reading and, and spoken with so many amazing people around the world. He's combined this mm-hmm. sort of, um, you know, he's found sort of a nice way to articulate it, having come from marketing in the sports world. Yeah, and it's something I kind of you think about. You go, yeah. How how am I approaching? And, and it's something else he talks about is uh, if if you've got a problem and you're looking for an outcome or, or, or an illness and you're looking to heal mm-hmm. um, or, or increase, you know, uh, from that position, your the thing you can control is your approach in between. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's all about sort of I'm here. I want to get to there. As here I am hand gesturing on a podcast. I'm nodding. It's okay. Yeah, and the thing you can control <laughs> is. Uh, is how is how you move to the outcome. So yeah, I really like I think that. that kind of again anchors you back to what are the things you're doing, thinking in your life to help you get um, yeah. progress towards where you're heading. Mm. Yeah. There you go. So <laughs> we've probably revisited these topics a yeah. few times, yeah, Jess, definitely. I don't think I think can, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we can revisit them enough. And because, I think it's yeah. it's also interesting that I know like. When you talk about self-care, a lot of people do focus on the doing and they're like, oh, my self-care is going for a run or if you're not feeling well, Mm. go for a run or go take the dog for a walk, which definitely can be part of someone's self-care routine and can be excellent as a part of self-care. But it's not like it's not always just about that doing something and Mm. it's not always about doing one specific thing like going for a run which seems to be the hot self-care thing um, <laughs> if you're into that you really got to find what works for yeah. you and and sort of listen to your body and listen to listen to yeah what works for you and and how that's going to benefit you yeah because sometimes the danger can be you know when we're talking about self-care as, as something that you're doing that people will go oh i'm doing this i'm doing this i'm doing this but i'm still not yeah. feeling good yeah. what, so or you think of it as a chore yeah or it's mm. a chore and then people might start re-evaluating how well they did these self-care activities and then you know, we can go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Because you can, and like have, yeah, yeah. goal setting is obviously yeah. a healthy thing too. Yeah. Like trying yeah. to run a 5K to yeah. build yourself up to 10, you know, potentially things like that. Personally, like running isn't doesn't do it for me. I like riding my bike. Yeah. I like just actually going for a walk. Um, and people say, oh, you know, maybe throw music in or a podcast and go for a walk for me i don't like to listen to anything when i go for a walk for me it's sort of the mode of not having stimulus in my ears it's just kind of hearing the breeze or the trees or whatever it might be but then i i bring in a podcast or music when i do the house chores now that's something you just have to kind Mm. of get through but that's my way of kind of 
adding adding some polish to an otherwise dull thing that's routine yeah. that and so i sort of create my own mental divide through ways like that um but certainly going for a run and playing you know eye of the tiger might absolutely <laughs> be the thing for you right like and that's cool too so i i guess what well, the point of all this is is that it is individualized yep. and your approach to it is um it's totally up to you absolutely yeah. so another really um big part of your work as well through your time has been actually working with um like grieving the loss of pets and so this is a totally different um mm. sort of a, sort of linked linked right but but a different part of your work that you do and i'm just kind of interested in like how you moved into that space and obviously found that there was a need to provide support there like we're pet owners and have lost yep. pets through my life and i know how devastating it can be and now we know how embedded pets are in our family too so it's a really it's a huge deal when we lose our, our fur friends isn't it oh massive and they're, they're part of the family and even talking about it now it's just because it's so it's it's just a topic that's really close to my heart and and mm. i love i really love mm. what i do I, I just i really love it and i feel like i'm making a difference the reason why i got into it i was a vet nurse in my 20s and for me, it, it was a bit stressful um, when and, and hard when when I saw that the end of a relationship, and I didn't. I wanted to help, and I didn't know how. Um, and I, now I know that this is actually something that that's stressful for for many people that that work, uh, whether they're vet, vet nurses, vet techs, or, or in admin. That this is also very difficult. It's shared by others. So I wanted to. I guess learn how I could support them because at the time there really weren't there were no resources available and when you're working on the ground when you've got multiple appointments you can't spend that time with the client to talk through things and I guess that was one of one of the motivations for me to to do what I'm doing and provide that service for people um, and also because. I have two loves and, and one is animals and one psychology and, and I've just been really fortunate that I've been able to blend the two and, and do a job that I, that I love. And so you're also part of Pets and People, which provides pet loss and grief counselling service. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So that is, a, is an amazing database where people can jump online and they will be provided with a list of counsellors and psychologists uh, that have a special interest in pet loss and bereavement and, and we're throughout Australia. And I think they also have people from New Zealand too. So New Zealand residents can oh, access yeah. mm. counsellors there and psychologists who specialise in that area. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, just another avenue for people to people to get help. Yeah, like and from people that get it. Exactly, people that get yeah. it, which is something we have talked about at length on mic and away from mics with, you know, talking with people and getting support from people who get it. So that's that's cool. Amazing chat, and we've covered heaps already. Uh, the good thing is, Vanessa, we've partnered up with you um, to create a whole lot of content, actually, that we're going to start to share through our channels and yep. through our website, freely available, I suppose, modules, audio modules, learning modules, um, information, and, and just a bit of discussion, right, as well, mm. to, to help people learn a lot more, build that mm. mental health literacy, yep. build that tailored support. Mm -hmm. So thanks, firstly, for, for getting on board with that. Um, we're going to start to launch that hopefully in the next few weeks. So stay across our social accounts and we'll make sure you it's know work in progress. how to find it. 
tell us a little bit about what people can expect from this series of content. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about this and I can't wait uh, for everyone to uh, be able to access these resources. What I love about these resources is that they're really short and they're digestible. And I, I think that's great because, you know, we're all really busy. We've all got our own stuff but maybe you just want just that little chunk of information to help you get get some support. And that's what I love about these audios. So, so thank you so much for, for, for letting me contribute to your very good cause. Um, what people can expect are, you know, very short, digestible, easy to understand, uh, little chunks of information which will help build on their resilience and help with mental health literacy and also, you know, hopefully help them through what could be a difficult time. And we're going to cover a range of topics. Uh, we're going to talk about pet loss uh, and how you can support clients through pet loss. But also because I understand that that can be, uh, you know, that can be a stressful part of our work in the veterinary industry. We'll talk about languishing, what that means. We're going to talk about uh, the emotional toll. Uh, of working in the veterinary industry and, and we're going to cover topics like compassion fatigue and uh, what that actually means and what are the signs of compassion fatigue. We'll also cover resilience as we talked a little bit about today as well as, you know, what can we do when we're in a situation where we're really stressed out? So we're going to talk about a, a stress kind of first aid kit there. So that's just yep. a couple of the topics that we're going to cover. What I really love about it is is kind of what we spoke about before is that they are small, they're digestible, mm. they're informal, and it could be something that you listen to while you're on a walk or in the car, or it might be something that you share with your friends, um, mm. as well as being sort of broad enough that it's that it's applicable to everyone. There are some specific veterinary stuff in there, but there's also plenty of stuff in mm. there that anyone out there could find use from. Yeah, I think yeah. like we've talked about, if you've got a vet in your family or nurse in your family or anyone in the animal care world, it could be useful for you to listen to start to kind of um, suggest ways if you see that someone's not going so well, like give them some, um, send them a link, you know, share the content with them. So that what we should just say as well, um, they're not they're not another webinar. They're 10-minute they're audio, um, you know, resources, modules and... You can listen to them while you grab a coffee. You can listen to them while you head down um, to the park for a walk, walk the dog, whatever it might be, the commute to work if your commute is short. So we kind of designed them in, with that in mind so that, yeah, they're really kind of easy to just listen to one or listen to a couple mm. or go in for a top-up if, if you want to listen yeah. to something again. And the other thing I will just say as well, um, Vanessa, you've included like evidence-based coping strategies yeah. and, and tools within these modules as well. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, so my other role is uh, I do research and I, I have a, a position at La Trobe University in the School of Psychology and Counselling there. Um, so putting on my – I've got a couple of hats, um, but everything I do and everything I suggest is backed in research. So there's, there's really good support behind it. Another good thing, like even just hearing about the fact that this, you know, an area has been looked into, research mm. has been carried yep. out, it's been proven to be effective. Yeah. You can kind of get around it a little bit and go, okay, let's work for other people. It might work for me. You know, it may not. You might find a different tool works better for you than another. Yep. Um, but what we're trying to do is is create the opportunity for you to connect with that content. It's available for you. Um, and as Jez said, it is available more broadly than just VET. But mm. the point of all of what we do is to kind of anchor things back yeah, to definitely. VET as much as we can as well. Yeah. So um, 
we hope you enjoy it. Uh, and, and it is going to be free and, and the links will start to feature pretty soon. Yep. I've heard the first couple uh, Vanessa's recorded. Um, I've learned heaps already. So that's, that's really cool. Um, so thanks for getting on board. Thank you. Thank you. And you're right. They, are, they can be used more broadly. Um, actually, some of, some of the, well, actually many of the tools I use myself, <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're really, really helpful. So definitely do, if you like them, share them with your friends and your family. The other thing too, bit of a sneak preview, Jez, um, we're also working on, Vanessa, with you, yep. an in-person workshop that's going to be based in Melbourne um, a bit later in the year. Again, keep your, your eyes and ears peeled mm-hmm. because... Um, going to be limited it's going to be it'll be a limited limited sort of place event initially and then what we're going to do is look to to open it up um yeah. to some other places and, and build on it if if it's received well but uh that so as well as having content online and available to you um we're going to start to provide those opportunities yep. to connect in person as well which i know vanessa you get a lot from as well yes i do oh my gosh i can't wait to see people in person and i it, well it started now and it, it's so good because it's just nice. It's just nice being able to see that whole 3D version of people. So I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, uh, this is definitely, you know, it's taken us a little while to get Vanessa onto the podcast, yep. but the timing was um, obviously strategic around and imperfect, <laughs> um, planned perfectly. But it's uh, an introduction, Vanessa, of you to our network, hopefully, for those yep. who haven't seen your work before or heard about mm-hmm. um, the amazing stuff that you do. Um, and we hope to continue to work with you and, and just keep doing some great stuff and hopefully helpful stuff yeah. um, and and just keep promoting that well-being and, um, you know, give people the opportunity to connect mm. and feel safe and speak up and all the stuff we yep. talked about. That's what so, we're here for. You know, that's, um, that's really cool and we're excited for that. So thanks uh, for coming on here yep. today and having a chat and giving some of your time for Flynn's yeah. talk. Being a part of what we're trying to do. Thank you. I really enjoyed the chat. Great guest, Jez, great discussion. Yeah. Um, covered lots, still lots we yeah, could have exactly. gone on to. We, yep. we had pages of notes of things we could have spoken to Vanessa about. But um, I just, I think what's awesome in the way that we've connected with so many awesome people uh, and Vanessa just has such a warmth mm. and, a, and, a, and a considered approach yep. and she's clearly just done some, and so much research and yeah. work in this space and she's really passionate about it. I can I just I can sense that even on the Zoom yep, call. From exactly. Her. And it's definitely something that that we've heard and that all of you will hear when you hear these little episodes. Mm. Just the sort of breadth of knowledge that Vanessa has. Mm. I think everyone will love them. Yeah, Hopefully. Yeah. No, well that's our hope. We can we continue to create stuff and put it out there and um, you know, it's over to you as our listeners and hopefully supporters to to get around it and um make it all worthwhile. So there are, of course, Jez, uh, a lot of main, very well-known, hopefully, yep. uh, resources in the mental health space that are available all the time to anybody out there. Exactly. We do like to plug uh, the support services available at the end of the episode. So, as always, there's Beyond Blue, Kids Helpline, Headspace, and Are You OK, who all have websites and phone numbers you can contact. If it is a crisis or if you do feel like you need urgent help, call Lifeline 131114, who, as well, last week we... We mentioned that they do have a 24-hour text line now as well and chat line. Um, there's a suicide callback service or you can also call triple zero in an emergency. Good to have those numbers um, saved, maybe on a little card in your wallet or yep. even in your phone contacts because yep. some of them... Make yourself a nice magnet. Could do. On the fridge. On the fridge. Um, but yeah, that's awesome that there's stuff out there and there is always um, help 
for those places to reach out to. So know that that's there. Jez, thank you as always. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and um, many more wonderful discussions to come across this year. Plus our walks. Yep. Plus content. Plus there's a workshop which we've just dropped a little hint about. So there's heaps to look forward to uh, in 2022. It's going to be a great year. Thanks for listening as always. Thank you.